Hi, I'm Sebastian Volney, and this is The Sustainable Fashion Wingman, the podcast exploring the brands, innovations, and careers making fashion more environmentally and ethically responsible, proving that fashion can be profitable while being good for the people and the planet. It is, in fact, the launch of season three, so welcome and thank you for supporting the show to get us here. I always like to kick off the season with a meaty episode, and today is no different. We've had today's session planned for some time now, as I really want to put out some clarity and insight on a significant topic in economic sustainability and ethics, the Sustainable Development Goals, as adopted by the United Nations Member States in 2015. The main focus, of course, is to look at how the Sustainable Development Goals relate specifically to the fashion industry, how apparel businesses use or can use them as a guide to doing business more responsibly. So, who better to give us the lowdown on the SDGs than our guest today, Executive Director of Fashion Impact Fund and co-founder of the Conscious Fashion and Lifestyle Network, Kerry Bannigan. And today's discussion is a little special in that we have a co-guest, an advisory committee member of the Conscious Fashion Lifestyle Network, Helena mansell Stofer. As founder of the educational hub, Products of Change, Helena and her team support consumer goods businesses to understand how to move in a more sustainable direction. So we'll be finding out a little bit more from Helena how the Conscious Fashion and Lifestyle Network enables businesses to utilize the SDGs in their own work. Hello, Kerry, and hello, Helena. How are you? Hello, thank you for having me. Hello, it's lovely to be here and, and great to be on here with you again, Kerry, as well. So thank you. Smiley faces today, and I know it's very sunny over where Kerry is, so we're a little bit jealous about that. <laughs> well, it's an absolute delight to have you both here to talk with us on the podcast. I'm very excited to get two leading voices on the topic of the Sustainable Development Goals. So to start off quickly, we'll just give our listeners a little background into our guests. So Kerry, maybe if you could start by telling us a bit more about yourself, the Conscious Fashion Lifestyle Network, and what your involvement with the SDGs is. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm very excited for this episode and to have my wing woman um, with <laughs> me here today. Um, so I am from the UK originally and I moved to New York City when I was 21 years old. That is nearly 18 years ago. Um, and I am an entrepreneur with a focus on private-public partnerships um, and really about building platforms in fashion and media. And my background, I started in the fashion industry about 14 years ago with a fashion event production company that was focused on facilitating government partnerships to promote international trade and investment during New York Fashion Week. And the way that we would do that was very specifically via events and runway shows. And my work then, and even though it's evolved now to what you see, but it's always focused on how we can leverage culture. And that for me is fashion and media to drive economic development opportunities and so that we could cultivate global emerging fashion pioneers and strengthen industry diversity. Back then, it was very different in that when you talked about sustainability or eco or ethical, it wasn't really embraced or welcomed by the fashion space. But today, what I love with my work is I'm able to combine my love of fashion media impact, and it is the driving force of all my work that I do. 
And so, which brings me, as you know me today, as the Executive Director of the Fashion Impact Fund, and more so for this conversation, the co-founder of the Conscious Fashion and Lifestyle Network, which is a platform that sits on UN.org, and it is an initiative jointly managed between the Fashion Impact Fund and the United Nations Office for Partnerships. And this online platform is for industry stakeholders, media, governments, and UN system entities. The network showcases and enables collaborations that accelerate the implementation of the Sustainable Development Goals. I truly believe, as do all my team, and I'm sure each of you I can speak to for on this call, that the SDGs provide a guiding framework for all sectors. For me, it is about how we can look at the fashion industry so powerful, so um, influential, and how it is also responsible for vast negative social and environmental impacts, which I'm sure we'll dive into, but we're looking at water pollution to textile waste to exploited labor. Sadly, the list goes on. And I'll wrap up this moment by, you asked me what my involvement with the SDGs is. I have been a board member of the Public Foundation for nearly a decade, and the public foundation is focused on utilizing media data and tech for good and public has been instrumental in communicating and driving the sustainable development goals for the United Nations globally and so once I had found out about the SDGs I just couldn't get my head around why these powerful institutes of the UN and the fashion industry were not more aligned and we're seeing great effort happen not just the work that I'm doing the UN system has great things happening and now as we go through this conversation with Helena we're able to explore the power of the industry and also our network to collaborate. Thank you very much for that, Kerry. And obviously, listening to what you do and how you've got here, we've seen you've gone from strength to strength. And like I said, an authority on the SDGs who is making a huge impact on the fashion industry. And Helena, that introduces you quite nicely as well as an advisory committee member of the Conscious Fashion and Lifestyle Network yourself, but also a founder of the Products of Change company. Can you tell us a little bit as well about what the company does? And then maybe later we'll find out a bit more about how being part of the network enables what you do. Totally. Well, it's a real honour to be Kerry's wing woman today. And, and how do you follow Kerry with her amazing experience? But I'll try and give it a go. <laughs> um, so Products of Change is an educational hub for industry to really showcase and share best practice on how we can move forward on the actionable changes that we need to make on a daily basis to kind of move industry forward to produce more sustainably, look after our stuff. Uh, staff differently, have gender equality, um, look at innovations in materials and technology. So that's what we do and we work within the consumer goods industries. So we work across brands to manufacturers to retail and then all the way down to the consumer and we and the only way that we can affect change is if we kind of look at the whole system. And to me I'm from the brand and licensing industry so I've worked with big brands for the last 25 years of my career and so I'm a, I'm a huge advocate that brands have an amazing opportunity to drive social and sustainable change so let's use those brands voices um, and then connect to the amazing work that the UN is doing with the SDGs and see how we can connect the two and really drive consumer awareness and business awareness of, of this amazing framework that exists. Absolutely fantastic and, and like you say it is a, it is a huge network and it takes everybody to get involved. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of businesses and organizations who want to contribute 
to to a more responsible way of doing things but sometimes they need to connect to other businesses like yours in order to do that now Kerry, the sustainable development goals were developed and adopted by the un member states only six years ago what was the background to their conception and can you give us a little clarity as to what their main purpose is i know you slightly touched upon it earlier Yeah, and to that point, when you talk about 2015, it was such a pivotal point where to see all the United Nations member states come together and agree on, you know, you've got the 17 goals, then you've got the target. This is not an easy accomplishment to even get all the communication in place and the agreements. And so to see that happen, and as you see where it is today, that took a good couple of years of consultation amongst everybody to make that happen. And where it is today, the sustainable development goals were released pre-COVID, where we look at there being this 2030 agenda. And we would be naive to think that anything that we had planned pre-COVID was still on track. And that's why it's so important we come together and ensure that we accelerate and advance the SDGs even more so because we've seen such a lack of progress um, due to what we've all experienced over the last 18 months. The Sustainable Development Goals themselves are a call to action by all countries. See it, if you will, as a blueprint for how we can come together to create just a better place, people and planet. This is looking at environmental, social and economic and it's about promoting prosperity whilst also protecting the planet and we're looking at that where you can see we've got to end poverty and build economic growth and address social needs. It's not one or the other. You know, we hear people talking about when you look at the definition of sustainability, it looks at the depletion Uh, or avoiding the depletion of natural resources and talks about this ecological balance. But we have to remember the social issues, the people that are on this planet that need protected also. And so the Sustainable Development Goals, in short, are definitely that blueprint and a North Star for many sectors, as well as organizations and global citizens, how we can come together and work to that one place to ensure we're looking after each other and the planet. Absolutely. And I think you're right in saying, even though they kind of started in 2015, the actual run up and development of those must have took quite a few years because they are quite complex and they are quite concise and they address a huge list of of areas that need to be looked at in order to promote prosperity while obviously protecting or, or developing an economic system that protects the planet and the people involved because it's all connected. And we often talk about sustainability being an umbrella term. But of course, it involves everyone. It involves a whole ecosystem of people, uh, communities, supply chains, societies and the environment as well. Now, the SDGs aren't fashion or apparel specific, like we're saying. It's very much about industries. They relate to all economies. But as we're focusing on the apparel sector, what are some of the main SDGs that you find fashion businesses are being or can be guided by the most? Helena, maybe you can answer that for us. Yeah, yeah, happy to have a little look at that. And it's actually quite interesting. We run a conference every year called the Sustainability and Licensing Conference. And when we first ran this for the first time in 2020, only 22% of our audience actually knew what the STGs were, which really surprised me. But then COVID happened and it's an amazing and COP's been. And actually what's been amazing is we did the conference again this year and actually 95% of the audience knew what they what they were, which is amazing. And they've all now got somebody, all of them have now a sustainability team, not a dedicated team that's just a sustainability, but kind of had a, 
a green team inside their business. So it's amazing, actually, how the last couple of years have more businesses are now aware of it. If we look at fashion, I mean, every business could, should look at all 17 goals. But when you look at specifically fashion, I think gender equality is, is a huge piece. When you look at the whole supply chain and making sure that actually we're being fair and across the whole supply chain which is um, number five and then if you look at number 12 it's actually really about sustainable production and consumption so how we can start producing more sustainably not with just the materials that we use but the water that's used within that, within that process with how the chemicals are brought back into the system and don't go back out into the waterways there's so many different elements that you need to look at there and then actually at the very end, how we bring those materials back into the loop so you're not having to use a virgin material. Um, and then climate action, number 13, and then partnership for the goals. I think working together, um, removing those roadblocks together as an industry is the only way that we're really going to move forward because all of this is pretty big systemic change. We've been operating in the same way for the last 100 years. And we need to transition industry and the only way we can really do that is if we share the best practice and we go down those roads together. Yeah, and talking about sharing practices, you did mention there the SDG 17, which is about partnerships mm -hmm. for the goals, which is quite significant in an overarching way for actually raising awareness, getting people and businesses on board in supporting the goals. Um, Carrie, can you tell us how this is working in the fashion industry? Well, first of all, this is my favorite SDG. <laughs> so goal 17, partnerships for the goals. To me, I actually believe the whole SDG agenda cannot be achieved without goal 17 being implemented to its best. And so when you look at this, you know, with COVID-19 having brought significant disruption to the fashion industry, the role of partnerships maybe has never been more important. We've truly witnessed unprecedented alliances to collaborations as organizations are working to get back on track. And you're seeing organizations, working groups, research hubs come together that to the consumer at one point would have been classed as competitive brands. And I'm sure Helena can talk to this more about the working groups that she has, but it's like you're seeing people sitting in a room, sharing research, sharing findings, sharing failures so others can spend their money to do better elsewhere. And people coming together and joining programs this is an industry that actually was built on and ran on competition, mm -hmm. is now be actually creating collaboration as part of its DNA, especially when you see the new brands that are coming about, new designers, new retail stores, even manufacturing hubs. Everything is about co, co-curating, co, co it, it, it's just incredible. And it's almost in a way, I would say, partnerships are the norm. It's how it, when you start seeing things that are launching or reports, everything's together now. Nobody is generally standing alone. And I think we're realizing pretty abruptly as an industry, we cannot rebuild without partnerships. But that goes from everything. It's not just top level with the stakeholders, you know, that's usually board members and C-suite. We're now seeing that we need to have this across the supply chain and throughout the whole value chain. Everybody is valued across the partnership side of things and partnerships really is the foundation of the conscious fashion and lifestyle network when people are registering their voluntary commitments they're actually uploading information about their partnerships and the initiatives shining light on what they're championing and doing with others in the space
Yeah, completely. And, and I think we've said this many times before on the podcast, sustainable space is very much about collaboration. It's no longer about competitive, a competitive edge. It's very much about the sharing the same goal and the, the same objectives. And it takes a, a group effort for us to all, for, for all of us to actually to achieve that. Helena, is this something that you've seen businesses um, do? And, and, and how would you recommend businesses to actually use this particular sustainable development goal? Totally. And it's really fascinating when you look at businesses, like Kerry said before, businesses are used to being competitive because there's so many laws out there to say that you can't disclose certain kind of information. That's normally financial information. But actually, sustainability is, is not competitive as an area which actually for the first time is, is enabling partners that wouldn't normally talk to come together and talk and share that best practice because it's not illegal to do that. And so actually what, what it means is that we can kind of excel forward even more. And as we're looking at new material innovations, bringing products back into the loop, retailers working with other retailers, suppliers working with competitive suppliers, it just means that all this innovation that's happening is being able to be shared. And, and I think Partnership for the Goals is my favourite one too, Kerry, because it's kind of right in the heart of what Products of Change is all about. It's all about sharing best practice and looking at what are those innovations that we need to start to embed as industry. Yeah, and as a business that works with other businesses myself as well, it's the collaborativeness that I love the most. Yeah. It's what actually motivates me the most within this space. Um, now let's come on to goal you mentioned as well previously, uh, goal 12 which is responsible consumption and production, because we know this has a huge relevance to the fashion industry. No one, is, no, no one will dispute that. When we consider the very basis of many fashion business models is literally to overproduce and promote overconsumption. So with that in mind, Kerry, how do you see this goal playing out in the future of the industry? It's so interesting as well when you say that, like it's the very basis and it's true. We have worked hard in the fashion industry and embed with media and advertising sectors to create a society that perpetuates the, the newness, the what they need now, the throwaway fashion society. And when you look at SDG 12, it's interesting with a lot of the goals, they look at one thing, so climate action, gender equality. But, you know, this is saying responsible production and consumption because we can't separate them that's where we're sitting in society and one should lead the other and I think much of the fashion industry continues to rely on really outdated production methods and that contributes to so much of the world's pollution and social inequality and what we now need to look at is you know, when you, COVID, I feel like pulled the curtain back. We already knew things were happening, but now we've been able to really see the the cruel, I would go so far to say evil, and the very unstable um, infrastructure of the fashion space. And there's been no accountability. There's still no legislation. There's still no policies in place to really put a stamp down on this goal in particular. And I think that is what's needed. For this goal to be fully achieved, we need to see um, regulation and accountability in place for business. And But with that, while you also take a step out and you look at how consumers and citizens behave today, Day, where it is trendy to thrift and upcycle, um, you know, and and swap 
and there's there's business models now that are thriving that are based on responsible consumption but we've got to hit the production side right all these sites people would say oh in the US you've got all these brand outlet sites that gives the brands just more permission to keep producing because then it just goes to the outlets well is this what we're going to see with the uh, the the swapping and the pre-loved sites are they just they're doing a great job, but does it give the brands an excuse to just keep producing because it do, they don't have to deal with the excess inventory and what's going on? So we need to go back to the beginning of the system. The end, there's people coming up with answers, but we need to look at the beginning and redesign these systems from the start and what does that look like? And the reality is of what we've seen go on, this goal has to be prioritized in order for the fashion industry to have just a decent recovery plan and also just stop depleting people and planet and it is depleting people from the lack of fair environment to wages to burnout to all sorts that we're seeing it's just this is a goal that has got to be taken as a priority by this sector and as all we just are not going to be able to achieve much. That's the reality. You know, you have all these businesses, and I am going to go off on one, so I'm sorry, but this sets me off. You know, you have businesses, and I don't need to name them because everyone listening will understand, but I have zero interest in patting people on the back in a post-pandemic, or we're still mid-pandemic, we don't know what's going on, but in the era that we're living in, companies that are overproducing and then want to say, but drop this off and recycle in store, like that is unacceptable. That's jail behavior, right? And it's wrong. And so until we reach a point, people should not be getting a pat on the back. They shouldn't be getting an award when they're multi-million or even touching billion dollar pound, wherever you're listening from, currency mm-hmm. status. It's not the way to be going because it's it, it's not even just greenwashing. It's just illegal business. I will stop there because you're going to get some comments. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. That's, that's exactly what we need to hear. Um, and it's interesting, like you say as well, a lot of businesses try to create these solutions, which actually when we look into it are just excuses to actually keep and there's this, no, uh, producing exactly. more. And there's no excuse to not be stopping. Who needs, you know, 24 new looks a day being showed to them on social? I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's probably yeah. minimum. You know, there's there's so much going on that just really needs to get in check. And this is the goal to do that. Absolutely. We have infinite resources and that's the issue that we're facing. And mm. we're running out very well, very quickly. Um, yeah. Helena, we know, so we know businesses are aware of the environment, environmental impacts of overproduction. And we know it's not an easy overnight fix to change a business model. But how are you seeing businesses go about responding to this goal? I think it is really tough because so many businesses, like Kerry said, have been, have been operating in a, in a certain way for such a long time. And actually, you know, the business model has been that, you know, you get a better price if you create more. And, and then that's why we've got so many sales because they we are overproducing. But actually, the, the companies that are winning are the ones that are taking a step back and looking at that whole business model and saying, actually, how much waste do we have rather than it going into a different piece of the P&L? actually, how much does that waste cost us? So why are we producing so much? So do we need to, do we need to have that MOQ? Um, there are also, a lot of people are now looking at um, different hubs, different manufacturing hubs. So do you have to manufacture out of one place? Or do you have print-on-demand that's more, lo- more locally? Or actually, 
if you're going to do print on demand rather than printing 10,000 of one unit, bring some blanks over and then print 1,000 of the t-shirt that you need that maybe retailers ordered so you haven't gotten that thousand hanging around in a warehouse somewhere. So it's just looking at that business model and then and trying to think of it differently because that waste has a value. You know, you're throwing that money away. So actually, when you, <laughs> you need to kind of look backwards at that whole supply chain. Um, and then there's actually some companies out there that do amazing stuff with that waste. So product that hasn't sold, rather than, rather than last season's product going to a, another outlet or going in the bin, um, actually they're, they're selling it to, to they're giving it to charities that can then resell that product that then brings value back to that charity for that charity to do positive social. So that's, you know, profit with purpose. And so I think there's different ways of, of, of kind of looking at the stock that you've got and kind of maybe be diverting some of that for real positive social change as well. So I think there's loads of different ways to start looking at stuff. Yeah, and I've, I've heard as well from other businesses have said that surprisingly, as if it wasn't something that's not been thought of before, that actually their waste product or overproduction is actually costing them more than they'd like to be losing. Um, so there was a very, it's, it's crazy. There's actually, you know, there's an awareness that actually, oh, maybe we shouldn't keep producing just for the sake of it, but actually maybe focus more on demands that are, that are, that are there rather than uh, just throw stuff out and see what sells exactly. um, because that costs money. And it's not even when it, it's not even when their product's been producing gets to the consumer. There's a huge amount of waste within within the sampling process. Yep. So there's quite a lot of innovation happening within three D within three D design at the minute, which is amazing because it's saving a huge amount of waste. You're not having to ship things around. You know you and and it's a benefit to to the retailer as well. So I think there's a lot coming through on innovation, which means that we can start to look at the waste within the industry as well. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of exciting innovations that are happening. And um, we talked about briefly as well, gender equality, which is SDG 5. Now, there's a good reason this needs to be of significant focus and, of course, for the fashion industry. Kerry, can you give us your insight as to why that actually is? I think we need to take a step back for this and look at what the industry represents here, right? Globally, we're looking at a $2.4 trillion fashion industry with around 300 million people employed along the value chain. That is a vast amount. And, and somewhere I've seen this, and I don't know if I have it handy. Yes, here from... I was just reading again this quote earlier. You know, the state of fashion in 2017 had said it would be that fashion would be the world's seven largest economy if ranked alongside individual countries, GDP. Like, that's bonkers. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important that this is looked at. And I say that because it's a very damaging industry to women and girls all over the world. Of the 75 million garment workers, it's estimated that 80% of these workers are women between the ages of 18 and 35. And then I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm sorry. Go for <laughs> but it. it's just, it's very important when we start looking at this. I think we connect more to data and numbers, just as how we're wired. And so, you know, when you look at that from an employment perspective, they say around 70% of garment workers in China are women, 85% in Bangladesh, and 90% in Cambodia. And so this is a significant representation. 
And so with that, we have to do better. This is looking at, you know, why is this an industry riddled with scandals of unlivable minimum wages? Why is there poor working conditions and the extreme overtime hours? It's pure greed. It's greed and that whole out of sight, out of mind. You know, when someone goes to shop and they want to get an outfit for the holidays that are coming upon us, you know, they should go into a store and not have to be worrying about, you know, is this made right? What happened? They should only be presented with good products. Mm. That's the reality. And so, but, you know, because of everything I just shared, the advancement of SDG5 is critical. And it's the fashion industry has so much influence on this. And with the, especially where we're sitting now together globally, this needs to be top priority for the sector. We need to change the narrative so we're delivering on livable wages, occupational promotions, educational opportunities, and most of all, safe working conditions. Yes, completely. And Helena, are you seeing significant developments like this in the areas of business and their supply chains? And, you know, how can other businesses do this if they, they want to address this area within their own companies? Definitely. I think more and more people are aware that we need to actually put some of the money that's in that supply chain back into the beginning of the, the supply chain. So back into the farmers, back into the workers. There's too much that's kind of back-ended or upstream. And that's really, you know, that's not fair. We need to look at... Um, we. We need, we need a fair working world. That's what all the STGs are there for. And so a lot of retailers are committing to making sure that their supply chain is, um, is an ethical supply chain and that their workers are looked after. Um, and that's something that will only increase over the coming years as retail demands this you know, from their supply base. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Now, we don't have time to look at all the SDGs today, but we're going to look at one more, which we can't ignore, because when it comes to the fashion industry, especially after the highly publicised COP26 conference, and that is SDG 13, which is climate action. Uh, as I talk to a lot of businesses from small to large, when you ask what they are doing to address their environmental impacts, one of the main focuses is always carbon emissions. So what are the actions or the guidance that SDG 13 promotes and, and how are you seeing businesses put this into practice? Well for me I think COP was really fascinating this year because I think this is the first time a COP has had such media attention um, and I think it's because public and business were so involved. There were so many businesses saying what their targets were. What I'd love to see now is all the action so that's my biggest thing is like okay then where, where's all the action how do we do this together and I know that's going to come in the coming years because everybody's kind of put their stake in the ground and are being very aggressive with their targets, kind of following the SDG framework and all the science-based targets. So it's fantastic that businesses are saying, this is what we want to achieve. It's a roadmap to get to get there, then that, that's the hardest piece. And that's why this framework is so fantastic. And that's why working together is so important because without that, we'll all be scratching our heads in 2030 going, oh, well, we have these nice targets, but we, we didn't quite get there. And that's not an option. You know, we this isn't that we have to do this is a climate emergency a climate emergency um i think for me climate action is really is so important because actually it's about there's so much that we need to do we need to change consumers mindsets we need to change consumer habits and it's it's the brands and the retailers that we work with that are going to enable us to do that and that's why everybody working forward towards climate action as a goal is, is so important 
Um, at at COP, also the um, British Fashion Council, they had a fantastic event where they invited um, a huge amount of, of people that are part of the Fashion Council, but also external external people that they're working with. And they've put their roadmap in place as well. And it's great because, a bit like Kara said before, it's a North Star where the industry is moving towards. And, and you're not going to have just one company go out on their own. You're going to have companies want to follow that. Nobody wants to be left out. Nobody wants to be the company that didn't do anything. And that because they all know now. Yeah, and that's why COP yeah. was, was, was so important for me. And lots of people have been very negative, but I just think this was the first time that actually people said, we need to do this and we need to do this now and we need to do this together. And that's the best thing about it. It wasn't just a, this is what the state of things are it was actually this is what we really do need to do right now and as quick as possible so yeah yeah, you're right that was the best thing that came out of cop 26 this year so we've looked at some of the key goals for the fashion industry to focus on but as we know and touched upon before all the sdgs you know they work together as a guide for the industry with many of them crossing over in the way that they are put into practice Uh, the sdgs are very informative but maybe you both can kind of shed a bit of light onto how businesses can approach them initially. Where do you advise business to start in order to put them into practice? So, I mean, for me, every business is different. And what you've got to do, you've got to look at the impact that you have as a business and where that impact is. And that will then give you your framework of where you start. Um, So, of course, it would be fantastic if you touched every sustainable development goal. But actually, if if you're a company that produces, you're going to want to look at your, your production and um, the production side of your business and understand where is the biggest impact then and how do you reduce that. I think there's certain ones, certain um, elements of the SDGs that should just run through everybody's plans, like gender equality. Everybody should be focusing on that. Um, and as I said, I think it you know all depends on the impact that you have as a business. So I'm sure, Kerry, you've got more to say there because you're working really closely with a lot of companies to, to achieve the goals. Yeah, and thank you um, for your answer there because it's so true. Every business is different. The SDGs are not a blanket guidebook that you just pick up and implement. They wouldn't even make sense from one business to the next, even in the same sector. And so it's really important to look at the sustainable development goals. As I said, there's the 17 goals and 169 targets under that with them. And these can be used in so many ways, whether it's from communication, internally which then I always encourage should then be used externally people use them to set milestones stakeholder meetings um, investment plans people work around how these can be utilized Um, what's amazing that you see with new businesses is how the SDGs are literally their foundation and the DNA of their company they it's implemented into business plans you see it in messaging it's on comms public relations it's on their landing page of their website it's there for everybody to see but what they have to do is take time internally even if you're a one-woman band through to a major company everyone needs to sit down and get on the same page the biggest mistake that I have seen happening around the SDG journey or sustainability in general is people having a siloed, very experienced team member on sustainability. But the merchandise part of the team, the marketing team, the sales team, especially in fashion, the sales team will not have a clue. And yet the sustainability team has worked so diligently to ensure that the brand is achieving things 
and it stops there. And I think that hurts brands. And so it's really important for anybody looking to explore these goals. And something to remember is the SDGs are a guiding framework and that's fantastic, but they're not the only one. And they were born in 2015. There have been pioneers of impact in the fashion space way before the SDGs were born. And what I think is an important thing to do is actually use the SDGs as a way, as a unified language for the fashion space to head to this North Star together. People have very different definitions of what sustainability is. And I think this allows us, especially as a creative sector, to visually connect the dots when we're doing business from websites to trade show booths like you were just mentioning, to conferences, to labeling, to branding, the list goes on. And so one thing I want to kind of tie into this is why the importance and why we started the Conscious Fashion Lifestyle Network is to highlight the work that is going on so that it can actually inspire others to action. So if you want to see what other people are up to, you can visit ConsciousFashionLifestyle.org and it will take you through to the Conscious Fashion and Lifestyle Network that lives on the UN's hub for the sustainable development and partnerships for the goals. Sorry if that's very UN-y, but when you go there, that language will make sense. And the reality is this is a hub What we want to be a place where we can foster transparent, inclusive and transformative engagement so that the global state stakeholders from all sizes and all parts of the sector can drive this urgent action for sustainability because it is urgent and we have to mobilize expertise, innovation, technology and resources if we want to have a sustainable and inclusive recovery. Thank you, Kerry. That was very, very clear. Um, and you're right in what you're saying. And we've said this a few times. I've said this the other week actually on a webinar in fact that that it's something that everybody in a business can get involved in it's not just a case of let's hire a sustainability manager and let them just deal with it uh, it is an overarching framework that a business needs to follow and bring everybody on board as well well thank you very much kerry and helena for talking with us today and provide an insightful and valuable discussion to start season three of the podcast on. We will, of course, put the links to the various uh, resources that Kerry has mentioned, and obviously to products of change in the podcast episode description. We've seen how the SDGs are a significant source guide for those running or looking to start up a fashion business responsibly, and even anyone working in or interested in fashion. There hasn't been time to cover all 17 development goals, but they are all very important and relevant to the industry globally if we're going to move our economies to a healthier place for people and planet. So please do check out those links in the episode description to learn more about the SDGs. And of course, like I said, the valuable work of both Kerry and Helena that they're carrying out through the Conscious Fashion Lifestyle Network and Products of Change. Thank you very much, Kerry and Helena. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been great to talk to you. And thank you to everyone who's been listening and do come back for more of season three of the Sustainable Fashion Wingman podcast. I'm Sebastian, helping you dress, live and work more sustainably.